Welcome to the weekly message from Upper Room Community Church in Vaughan. We hope that this message will help you grow in your faith and provide practical ways to strengthen your relationships. For more information, visit us at upperroom.ca. Good morning. My name is Bryden Masarani, and I'm going to be reading from Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 25. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. He did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Um, so Strengths Finders, a survey, takes, you take it and answer like 150 questions and tells you things about yourself. And one of the strengths that it said that I had uh, was positivity, which um, my wife says, yes, of course. She said, you don't, uh, you know, I'm one of those people, I don't use phrases like every cloud has a silver lining and it'll all work out in the end, but I basically think that way. And I didn't realize I thought that way. I'm just one of those people. No matter what you're in, you can get out of it. No matter how bad it seems, something better is coming along. And what I realized after I got married and had kids was that I actually have a high intolerance for negative emotions. <laughs> uh, so this is the dark side of positivity. We don't want to hear, you have positivity, you don't want to hear things are bad. When people kind of talk about the glass being half, full, half empty, you just kind of, there's something like, there's something wrong with that person. How could they view the world that way? Clearly it's half full. Um, and so I've realized over time that it's not really a good thing to, to not like negative emotions, especially as a pastor, right? So I'm um, just being honest here. Um, but uh, one of the things that obviously when you think about this season, and, and this series is called Feels Like Christmas, one of the things that we think for sure is that at Christmas, at least, there shouldn't be any negative emotions. Like Christmas, at least at this time of year, it should be a time of cheer and joy and fun and delight, and we can forget our troubles for a little while, and we can have a couple of weeks of really positive feelings. And so in that sense, we kind of don't, uh, we don't want to welcome negative feelings at the Christmas table. We think this is the time when the happy endings resolve and all of that. Of course, all the Christmas movies are about those feel-good things. And certainly one of the emotions that maybe is not welcome at the dinner table, Christmas dinner table, is doubt. Uh, if you think about many of the, of the old Christmas movies and the modern Christmas ones, there's always some Grinch who doesn't believe, right? And so throughout the story, the magic of Christmas is somehow going to capture this person's heart, and they're going to go from doubt, doubter to believer, and the Christmas spirit will somehow change them. And the, the implication is that, well, that, that doubt's a bad thing, that feeling doesn't belong, and, and if, you're, if you doubt, you become kind of, um, you know, curmudgeon and your heart gets hard, and you need the magic of Christmas somehow to, to warm you, to change you so that you can move from a, a doubter to a believer. And certainly the, the belief is that Santa really does exist. And so I have to tread carefully. I don't know who's in the audience right now. Um, 
And, and that somehow if you, that the magic of Christmas, you get a glimpse of him or you see the presence under the tree, now you believe and before you, you doubt it. And so now you've been cured, you've been helped. So that doubt really doesn't belong in, in, this, in this place at Christmas. And, and what's more, actually, if you think about the church, often we think, well, doubt has no place in the church because the church is for people who believe. That's, we call ourselves believers. And so you may be here and you're saying, well, I'm not a believer and you feel really out of place because you think, well, I'm not sure I believe all of this stuff. Some of those words people were singing, whatever, I'm not all there. So there probably isn't a place for me because this is a place of believers, not for doubters. And so sometimes as, as, an, as someone who's not a Christian, not a follower of Jesus, maybe you're still trying to figure this out. You think, well, church can't be the place I figure it out because you have to believe to go there. Isn't that how you get in the door? Maybe even more acutely for those of us that would say, yeah, we are believers. We don't know what to do with doubt when it maybe creeps in to our mind or our heart, or we go through a season, or there's a period of questioning, or there's just something that we are struggling to believe. And in fact, if we find ourselves in that place as a Christian, we are scared to death to tell anyone about it because we wonder, well, how's someone gonna look at me because we're the believers. So if I say, well, I'm struggling to believe, they might think there's something wrong with me. Or maybe, maybe they'll cut me out or maybe they just won't understand or, or I don't wanna bring somebody else down with my questions and everyone in here seems to be singing these songs so they must believe. So I don't wanna be the one who's not. So I'm just gonna um, not say anything. And what that means is that if, if you're either in that place where you're not a believer yet and you're trying to figure this out, you can feel kind of alone in a group of people who are believers. Or in fact, for those who say, well, I am a believer, but I'm struggling with doubt. And it could be doubt of any kind. Maybe it's, does God really exist? Or maybe, is he really near? Is he really close? Or is he really for me? Like, I believe he's powerful, but is, is he loving? Can he, can he be loving in this way? Or maybe he's loving, he's sympathetic, but I, I don't know if he can really do anything about what I'm dealing with. Or perhaps there is, a, there is a mind that believes and a heart that somehow hasn't caught up, or that there's a gap between what's up here and what's in here. And perhaps even more than someone who doesn't believe, those of us that say, yeah, I'm a believer, but I'm going through that, well, we can feel really alone in a season like that because we're scared to admit it scared to be out in the open of that. And we think we're the only ones because everyone else seems to be fine and no one's ever told me they struggle with that. And if they do, you're just supposed to just believe because that's how it works. That's why we're here. One of the things I love about the scriptures, and I, and I really feel like this, this is unique in, in terms of the holy books that are out there. What is so unique about this story is that it, it is indeed a story. It is not simply a collection of pithy sayings, some wisdom that is doled out by different people over the years. There is lots of wisdom in there. There are sayings in there. There's a book of Proverbs that is that. But first and foremost, it is a story that has unfolded over a few thousand years of God and the people he came to love, the people he created. And what we find is amongst all those people, there's a broad spectrum, long stories, many of those who doubt. And in fact, the entire story of scripture is God coming to those who were far from him, who were either running away from him, who were unaware of him, who were struggling to believe in him, who had thought he had stopped coming through and God coming to them over and over again. And so in many ways, those of us that 
might say, well, yeah, I, I do struggle with things, or I happen to be today, or I never had before until now, until this season, or I, I don't know if I ever have doubted, but this is a story of those journeying to believe, often through seasons, shadows, experiences of doubt. And certainly at the Christmas story, we find that right at the outset. And uh, this week, we were, um, you know, we're, we're familiar with the story, right? Even, even if you've never grown up in the church, even if you've actually never read it right out of the Bible, you probably know something about Mary and Joseph, and she's pregnant, and they have a baby, and the baby's Jesus, and there's lambs and shepherds, and you know, a, a, a glow in the back of this stinky cave that somehow makes this holy ground. And this is the story, and, the, and we know it. Um, this week, it, we're doing, we're working way through our uh, Advent calendar that Jen put together in our house. It's not like, it's not like something that's about this big. It's like ha- taking up half our wall on a piece of wood, and there's stuff glued onto it. And every day, we read a passage of scripture. So this week, we're reading when the angel Gabriel comes to Mary and says, okay, Mary, this is the deal you are going to have a child and he's going to be Jesus and he's going to be the savior of the world. And she says, stop. I've never been with any man. How can I have a child? Oh, well, the Holy Spirit is going to do it. That it's actually the Holy Spirit that's going to conceive it. It's not going to be any man, but inside you will be birthed a child and he'll be Jesus and he'll save the world. So we finished reading. So I said to the guy, so boys, um, anything about that you don't understand? No, nope. all good. Okay, on several levels, I'm concerned. One is we have failed to communicate some of the ways in which the human race gets propagated, so that's a bit of a problem. And secondly, you're like, but aren't we like that? Oh, oh yeah, virgin birth, savior of the world. God became flesh, Jesus. The story can be so familiar to us that we don't actually stop a minute and go, whoa, and yet... Um, Mary was said, okay, if that's the plan, I'll receive it. And just to go tell Joseph. She actually doesn't. She leaves and goes away to visit her cousin, who her cousin was an old woman, was barren. And the angel had actually said to her, you know, your cousin Elizabeth, who was thought to be barren, she's with child too. And it was actually Jesus' second cousin. Is that what a second cousin? Cousins, children of cousins, is that what they are? That was John the Baptist six months ahead of Jesus, coming to prepare the way for the Savior. So she goes, Elizabeth understands the miracle, it's all good. She comes back, and meanwhile, Joseph, you know, is getting receipts from time and maternity in the mail going, where are these from? Right, she comes back, ready to be married. She'd been pledged to him, so she's probably about 16. He's maybe between 25 and 30. An honorable man, this would have been, an, uh, uh, the parents would have sort of arranged and be quite happy that this honorable man would be willing to take and, and pledge to be married to this girl. It was, it, was like, it was like marriage once there was a pledge in place. And then that means she would have a, a stable home that someone would care for her. And as her parents age, they wouldn't have to worry about the children. And in fact, as the children grew up, then they would be the ones to care for the parents. So this whole thing was working out quite well until she comes home. And, you know, it was good. It was, they were all loose-fitting. There was no Lululemon back then, so it was all loose-fitting, you know. But all of a sudden, she's got a bump. And Joseph says, you know, the passage that Bryden read for us, no. What's the story? I think about this. It, it would be crazy in this day. In that day, so much dishonor around a woman 
who was found, and it was very, it was, it was even more of an unequal world than it was back then. In a sense, men could be forgiven for their moral indiscretions, but women would die for them. So now he sees this woman who's pledged me, right? He thought she was an honorable woman. She's pregnant. Now all the stuff's going through his mind. Oh no, what happened? Who was it? How did this happen? She could die. And so he just says, I, I'm off. I'm out. I can't do this. Now he was an honorable man. So he said he, he, he was going to divorce her quietly, which meant he would bring no accusation against her, which if there was no accusation, there would be no trial and therefore she wouldn't be stoned to death. So he was honorable. He said, there's no way I could believe this. And so suddenly we have doubt at the very beginning of God's incredible plan to save the world. So precarious. Mary says, I I know this sounds crazy, but this is what's happened. I've never been with any man. God has given me a child, birth a child within me. And you have to believe. And you you gotta still marry me. and, 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 And he says, no, I can't. Well, he has a dream. And in the dream, God says to him, don't bail. I'm in this. Take her home to be your wife. And he wakes up. Now, I've had dreams, okay? I don't have ever, I have very few profound ones. I have weird ones. But no matter how, some of you have very profound dreams, you see pictures, but it is after all a dream, right? And then you wake up. And then sometimes when they're really vivid or they're maybe very um, specific and kind of seem very real, you think, what did that mean? But I'm still going to go live my life now. Except Joseph gets up and goes, okay, I will take her to be my wife. It is a picture, actually, of what faith is. You know, faith, because we can think faith is just believe. Well, if I'm struggling to believe, just believe doesn't do me any good. Faith is sometimes described as feelings. Well, if I cannot feel this, I think this, but I cannot feel it. I cannot make myself feel things. I cannot make doubtful feelings go away. So what is faith then? Well, as we look through the eyes of one, really the one who had to have the most kind of faith. I mean, really, Mary knew because she was pregnant and she was the only one, really until the resurrection of Jesus, think about this, she was the only one who knew for sure. Because she knows, I haven't been with any man and I'm pregnant. But everybody else, Joseph first and foremost, and her future and really the child's future in one sense resting on the balance of where this man was gonna lean one way or the other. And he gets up from the dream and he takes Mary home to be his wife. And it gives us a picture of what faith is. And here's what I wanted to say to you. To go from doubt to believe, you have to follow, wait, and see. To go from doubt to belief, you got to follow, wait, and see. Follow meaning he did what he was told. Did it mean that he believed? That he had the feelings of faith? If you imagine maybe in the days and weeks that followed as they sat together and he would look at her every so often pregnant thinking, really? He wouldn't have words. But what was his faith? Oh, yes, Mary, I believe. I'm 100%. My mind's changed. My feelings have changed. I'm all there. I don't know. We do know he followed. He didn't bail. He kept going. 
He said, okay, I'll take you home. I will agree to be your husband and care for you. And I will agree to be the father of this child that you say, and that I heard in a dream is the savior of the world. It is a picture of actually what faith is meant to be. It is not feelings. It is not a positive sense that everything will work out okay. It is not naive optimism. It is a willingness to put one foot in front of the other and wait and see what God does next. And that's exactly what he did as he walked alongside her. This is very interesting, right? Joseph was given a dream, but he wasn't given proof. Was he given proof? Only Mary was given proof because she knew. He was given a dream that said, don't bail, keep going. I know this is crazy, but don't be afraid. This is from me. I'm in this. Keep walking. It was a sign. It was not proof. It was a sign that said, it was a light, in, in other words, almost in front of his feet saying, this feels like a really dark time, but I'm just going to give you enough to keep going. Don't sit down. Don't turn around. Don't get off the path. It's not proof. And in fact, we, it doesn't seem like Joseph ever had proof because from all accounts, Jesus didn't really do anything outside of the ordinary until about the age of 30. And from 30 to 33, he turned the whole world upside down. And really definitive proof was the resurrection when he said, I will lay my life down and take it up again. But we're pretty sure Joseph was long gone by then. He was older than Mary. He probably passed away before Jesus turned 30. So he never saw any miracles. We don't know this for sure, but in all the accounts when it describes Jesus interacting with his family, it always says his mothers and his brothers. And we know at the cross, he said to John, here, look after my mother. So his father was gone. He never got proof. So where was doubt along the way? Who knows? You know, he's a human being just like you and I. We can put ourselves in that picture and think where he must have been back and forth or watching this child grow up thinking, could this be true? But he kept following and raised the son of God. It was a decision to keep moving, not to bail on the journey. And so friends, for those of you who doubt, let me just say first of all that there's great comfort in this story, that God does not call believers to have a positive sense that everything is fine and everything makes sense, and in fact does not call us to go, oh yeah, that'll make sense to me. It is to wrestle and grapple with things that seem beyond our comprehension. In the midst of darkness, right? Doubt is, is season, is passageway through darkness, where we cannot see and we doubt because we cannot see. Or what was clear before becomes fuzzy now and in the dark we feel a bit lost. Or the things, the ground underneath our feet which we were sure, so sure of before seems to be slipping away. It is in the season of darkness that Jesus says to those who doubt, no, no, if you wanna move to belief, you gotta follow. You got to keep walking. Don't get off the pad. Don't sit down. Don't turn around and wait and see and watch what I do. And I'm sure that year after year, sign after sign, Joseph became a believer. But it didn't happen like this. And so for those of you who doubt, maybe you're, you're not a Christian. You're not a lot of these songs and even the, the church experience for you is so foreign. And sometimes you feel like, man, I'm so out of my element in here. 
God says, don't bail. Keep walking. Wait and see. For those of us that maybe say, well, yeah, I'm in a season. I didn't expect this kind of darkness to move in so fast or this, this event really threw me and I feel off kilter. I feel out of sorts. I feel disoriented. I feel like I'm in a season of darkness. You know, maybe we're not doubting the existence of God, but we're saying, God, where are you? God, with us, but are you with me? Are you for me? Are you here? Are you close? I know you're up there, but are you here? I can't see. God says, don't bail. Keep following. If you want to move to belief, you got to follow. you got to wait and see. My plans, my purposes get unfolded over time. There's not always proof, but there are signs. So stay with it. Don't bail. You know, in a sense, Joseph stayed close during a season of doubt to someone who believed. Right? Mary believed. The angel came and she said, I know this is God. Let it be to me as you have said. She believed and he decided to stay close to her. And I wonder whether her faith over time helped him believe. He didn't bail. He didn't say, this is too much for me. You believe it and even, I can't. I'm out. No, stay. Stay close. Don't stop coming to church. Don't withdraw. Don't say, I can't make sense of this. I just need to pull away. God says, no, stay, follow, wait, and see. Keep reading your Bible, even if you think, I can't see anything through this. I can't hear anything through this. Maybe you've never done it before. Don't stop, follow, wait, see. Don't be silent about what you're going through. Include someone else in your journey. Maybe, you know, come close to someone who seems to have strong faith. And you know what? For, for those of us who doubt, someone with really strong faith sometimes really repels us because we're like, it, in a sense, it exposes our lack of belief, and so we're uncomfortable about that. Or maybe we're cynical about their belief. Well, how could you believe this? You know, how, how could you be so positive? Or how could you be so, I, it makes us hard to be close, and yet that's part of following, saying, okay, I won't bail. I'll stay with this person. I'll stay with you. I don't see what you see, but I'll, I'll stay with it. And I'll stay close to you, and I won't be offended by you, and I won't judge you for your faith, and please don't judge me for my lack of it. Let's stay in this journey. Now, there are those of you that have struggled through periods of darkness, and you've come out. You know, so don't forget. You know what it was like in the dark. So we, of all people, if you say, no, I, I've, I believe, I, I've been through periods, but I'm, I'm strong, then you, of all people, should be embracing to those who are struggling along. And know, hey, we, we need each other in this place, in this journey. Now, it's also possible that many of us, you'd be sitting here and saying, oh, I never struggled with doubt. Then, then we have to ask ourselves, have we really wrestled with the reality of what this says? A glib kind of, yep, I've always believed. Yep, virgin birth. Yep, Jesus became a man. God became a man. No. You know why we must wrestle? And I'm not trying to tell you to doubt. I'm trying to say, grapple with what maybe you have glossed over. And certainly the familiarity of the season and the repetition of the story and the carols and just all of the nice feelings about Christmas that can just carry us through and suddenly it's New Year's Day. We're watching college football. We don't even like college football, but there we are and we can't move on the couch. <laughs> and, we, and it's gone, it's gone. The season's gone. And we have been unreflective through it. We have not wrestled. Why should you wrestle with this and say, how could it be? Why did it have to be? You know what it had to be? 
Because if Jesus was gonna save us from our sins, he had to be fully God and fully man. He had to be able to identify with us. He couldn't be this one that was so disconnected from our pain, so disconnected from our reality that just swept us up and like robots reprogrammed us. No, he had to come and live and walk in our shoes. And so he had to be man. He had to be born of a woman. But he had to be God because he couldn't be just like us. And so he had to be born of the father and not of a human father. And therefore, virgin birth had to be. Otherwise, he is no savior to man. So we wrestle. And when you wrestle with the reality of this almost incredulous truth, it is a pathway for us to worship. Nobody worship things, things they can understand. We all go to worship things that are beyond us, right? We go to watch athletes do things that are beyond what we could do at the highest level. We go to see Grand Canyons and beautiful things that, are, that we feel dwarfed in, right? Overwhelmed by completely greater than us. Those are the things we worship because they are so much greater. We cannot wrap ourselves around it. And this is God. And so the more we grapple with things that we cannot wrap our minds around, it is the beginning point of either cynicism, doubt, where we say, you know what, this is too much, I can't, or it begins worship. Because we fall at the feet of a God that we say, I don't get your plans and your ways. They're higher, they're better, they're more wonderful, but man, I cannot really grasp them. And so I worship you because you are better than me. You are greater than me and you are nothing like me. So it's worth it for all of us to wrestle with things, even to say, wait, and I had to stop as I've been reading through and going through Avon with my kids and going, wait, do I really understand how profoundly mind-blowing this is? And no, I don't. But I can sing angels from the realms of glory, wing your flight over all the earth, that you broke in a little old earth and announced the good news to these poor, disenfranchised, marginalized shepherds. I can sing this because my mind begins to go, I can't fully understand it, but it makes me want to worship. Oh, that this were true. It changes everything. And so whether you've doubted or never doubted, we must all wrestle and walk and follow and wait and see and let God prove himself to us. You know, the reward for Joseph, when I think about, you know, that he chose not to bail, you know, that he said, okay, I'll take Mary home. I'll follow, wait, and see. Other than her, there's no one on earth that had a closeness to Jesus like he did. He held him in his arms. He raised that little boy. He had 30 years with him, walking with him. He had a reward of seeing and experiencing Jesus in a way that he could have never tasted fully if he had said, I'm out too much. I can't keep going. You see, this is the reward of faith. And it actually says, without faith, it's impossible to please God because everyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. He rewards those who follow, wait, and see. He rewards those who say, this is so much, I'm gonna try to worship instead of being a cynic and get off this path. And so here's just kind of a next step for you. For those of you who doubt, maybe you just need to ask for a sign. Ask for a sign. That's not being arrogant. 
It's, it's not asking for proof. It's like saying, God, I'm not, I'm not going to believe this unless you prove it to me. It just says, no, I'm in a bit of darkness here. I just need a little bit of light at my feet so I can keep going. So can you give me a sign? I've said to people all the time, if you really doubt, ask him to prove himself to you. Not in a, and no one could give you proof, writing on the wall, whatever. It's got to be something in you that says, it's enough light for me to keep going. And so if you're in that place of darkness and you're fearing that I'm going to get stalled out here, I'm going to get stuck, I'm going to sit down, I'm going to turn around, or I'm going to get off this path, say, no, God, you were gracious to Joseph. Give me a sign. Give me something, a little light at my feet that I can keep following. Not, not proof, but a sign. And for those of you that haven't doubted me, we say, no, I, I've always believed. You know, some of that is a gift, right, that, that God gives us is faith. But, but let it not come from being people who are unreflective about the miracle of this story. And so maybe what you need to ask God for this Christmas season is a deeper encounter of worship. Like, like somehow let me dive deeper into this mystery and the deeper in I go, the more I find I don't have anything beneath my feet. I'm swimming in an ocean that is far greater than I can understand, but it makes me worship. That the familiarity of the carols and the experiences and the scriptures that we read will not quickly flit by, but that somehow you and I would become deeper worshipers of this mysterious, mind-blowing, gracious, loving God who would choose to save the world like this. Now, why should you do this? You know, for those of you that are, that are doubting, it's easier to just stop and sit down. Say, I'm, I'm, I can't, I'm out. It's easier to bail in the moment. Well, why should you ask for a sign? And for those of you that don't doubt, you know, you'd say, well, if I wrestle with this, maybe I'm going to start to think about things I've never thought about before. If I listen to this other person and say, yeah, but what about this? What about that? It's going to make me unsteady in my faith. No. It's going to make me a deeper worshiper. But why should you do this? Here's why. Because I think that Mary's faith was a gift to Joseph. Her grasp of the mystery of God's power and his incredible ways and his, the grace he showed. And, and, you know, in her song, The Magnificat, right, when she says, how could it be that God would look upon somebody like me and give me a gift like this? How could it be that God would lift up the lowly? And she knew she was poor. She was a nobody. And yet God had said, through you, the Savior of the world will come. And she said, isn't God amazing, his plans? He, lifts, he brings down the proud and he lifts up the lowly. Her faith was so strengthened, but it was a gift to Joseph, you gotta think, as, she, as he walked with her to see how much she was willing to let her life be turned upside down by her faith. But I think Joseph's willingness to follow was a gift to Mary too, right? For him to say, okay, God has chosen you, I'll stay with you. I'll take you as my wife. I'll care for this son as my own. See, doubters and believers, in a sense, we walk together. That those of us who have a strong faith, who are going through seasons where we sense and see God everywhere, our faith can be a gift to those who are in darkness and say, I've forgotten, I can't see anymore. And so we need to stay close. But those who are willing to follow in seasons of doubt, and I have known this, I have been so strengthened by the faith of those who say they have no faith but are willing to keep going. It is a gift to me. And so therefore, this 
this doubt and faith issue is not just something between us and God. In community, we come together and say, let's walk together. Let's follow and wait and see what God does. I'm gonna invite the worship team up to lead us in a time of response. But before we do that, I just wanna pray. Um, I wanna pray for, for those of you that would say, yeah, this is a season or a circumstance or I'm just not there yet. I wanna also pray for those of you that are walking alongside those who are in those seasons because those are, those are hard seasons for us too. So would you bow your heads with me as we pray? God, be gracious to us. For those of us that struggle and doubt are in seasons of darkness. <coughs> we long for light at our feet. Enough to keep moving. So would you be gracious to us and lead us? Don't let us bail. Don't let us turn around. Don't let us sit down. Don't let us get off the path. You are Emmanuel, God with us. And for those that are in darkness, we need you more than ever to be God with us. And we thank you that it was to those in darkness that the light came. And so if we are in that season of doubt, we are ready for your light. We are prepared to see you. And so come close to us, God. Shine a light. Not proof that quickly snaps us out of this, but sign after sign of your faithfulness and that we can keep following and wait and see that in time we understand. For those of us that are walking alongside those in darkness, God, help us be a light. Help us be okay with another person's struggles. Help us be okay to be a presence in their lives. Help us know when to speak and when to shut our mouths. <coughs> help us not to be afraid. Even as Mary might have been afraid, oh, is Joseph really gonna buy this? Is he really gonna stay with me? She had no fear because she knew the God that she served. And if this was your plan, you were gonna come through. And for those of us that maybe have never wrestled, oh God, give us such a deeper encounter with you this Christmas that we would fall on our knees in worship and at the place where we stop being able to understand, then we have found the deep waters of faith, of what it means to worship you who are higher and greater and better beautiful and perfect and pure, more wonderful and mind-blowing than we could ever comprehend. That we would be a community that walks together and worships together. We thank you for Christmas. We thank you for your ways. They're better than ours. They're more beautiful. Help us see it. In Jesus' name, amen. This is a benediction for us today. Um, the last line of that hymn we sang is, by thine own eternal spirit, raise us to your glorious throne. And I just want to bless you that you would experience God's spirit lifting you up. That if you have felt like you've stalled out or you're stuck, that you would actually feel that he is carrying you, that this isn't your own merit, your own ability to believe, but that God helps you, that God is your helper, that he is the spirit is the helper that lifts you up. And for those maybe that have been walking alongside those who have been in darkness, that you would feel lifted up. And God's saying to you, I got this. Don't be afraid. Did you receive that?